Sunday was a banner day for the Big East on the court in men's and women's basketball. As on the men's side, their premier program punched their ticket to the Sweet 16 yet again. And then on the women's side, one of their teams, not named UConn, punched their ticket to the Sweet 16 for the first time ever in what may be the most monumental upset of the NCAA Women's Tournament so far. And then over on the men's side, with all the hype regarding the return of Sean Miller to Cincinnati, already in the air, Xavier went out on the court and dominated the University of Florida to move one step closer to that NIT Final Four in the Garden. I'll cover that and a whole lot more, including, obviously, some big news coming out of New Jersey, which will be safe for the end of the show, here on this episode of the Igloo Day 21 of this year's March Marathon. And by the way, missed out on a golden opportunity on Saturday, because that was day 19 of the March Marathon, season 3, episode 69. Forget about the 69 jokes. Those those write themselves. But 369, damn she fine. I mean, come on. How could you not quote get low on that? Anyways. Villanova winning was one thing yesterday, but I have to lead with this. The Creighton Blue Jays in NCAA Women's March Madness in second round action against the Iowa Hawkeyes. At Carver Hawkeye Arena, it was a gold out. The Hawkeyes wearing their gold jerseys. And it this was a game. It was a game. Creighton started off well. They went up six after one. And it remained a six-point game at the half. Iowa made a furious comeback. And went on a monster run after they went down 54-50. to They scored eight unanswered to turn a four-point deficit into a four-point lead. And Iowa led by four with a minute and 37 seconds to go. But Creighton wouldn't go away. They cut the lead in half on a Lauren Jensen layup. And with 15 seconds to go, on basically a give-and-go, Lauren Jensen gave the ball up and got it right back for a three right near the top of the key. And it was only appropriate that the Iowa transfer buries one in the eye hole to give Creighton the lead. They get a stop. On the other end, as they forced... A missed layup by arguably the best offensive player in the country in Caitlin Clark. Molly Mogensy got the rebound and then a couple fouls later to get to the bonus situation. Emma Ronzik made one of two. And Iowa had a couple chances to tie it. But it came up just short and Creighton, a massive upset. Arguably the upset of the tournament so far. They went 64-62. to Honestly, how much better of a script could you write 
for Lauren Jensen, who just joined Creighton from Iowa, to hit the three that wins this game. She scores 19 points on 8 of 15 shooting and 3 for 7 from the floor. Emma Ronzik with 13 and 10 rebounds. Double-double for the All-Big East first-team selection. 5 for 14 from the floor, 1 of 6 from deep. But, man, without the shooting of Peyton Brodsky, who knows what could have happened in this game. And Brodsky had 13 on 4 of 12 shooting, 3 for 8 from behind the arc. And, you know, the other two starters, I mean, they kind of struggled. Carly Batcher only played 12 minutes, only scoring two points and grabbing four rebounds. And then Tatum Rembau, two points, battled foul trouble, and had five assists, one of three shooting as well. And then Molly Mogensen and Morgan Molly each played nearly 30 minutes. Mogensen had seven points and eight rebounds, three of eight from the floor, one for three from deep. Molly, eight points, 13 rebounds in 26 minutes, two for eight from the floor, two for six from deep. And you got to credit I Creighton's defense. You know, 10 for 34 from deep. I mean, the fact they made 10, that's great. But percentage-wise, they were under 30%. But defensively, they were even better defending Creighton's threes as the as the Hawkeyes went 5 for 22, just 22.7% from the floor. And the big story, holding Caitlin Clark to 15 points. Yes, she had 8 rebounds and 11 assists, but she was averaging like 27 a game. And they hold her to 15. 4 of 19 shooting, 3 for 10 from behind the arc. So that opened the door for Monica Zanano to score 27 on 12 of 20 shooting. And then outside of those two, they really didn't get much. Just six points each from McKenna Warnock and Gabby Marshall. Four points from Kate Martin. And then off the bench, only two points each for Tommy Taiwo and Kylie Fjordbach. And also Creighton dominated the Hawkeyes on the glass, 52-37. to Iowa only turned it over six times. Creighton turned it over 14 times, but again, made three-pointers and out rebounding proved to be a huge difference maker. So Creighton, for the first time in program history, onto the Sweet 16, and who are they going to draw? Well, based on results from later in the night, they're going to draw Iowa State. You know, everyone was clamoring for a rematch between those two teams, which Iowa State won back in December. You know, and I call it, well, most people call it, well, on the football field, it's called El Astico between Iowa and Iowa State. And it just go over to the hardwood, but Creighton says, nah, uh, uh. So congratulations to the entire Creighton team, you know, Coach Flannery, the rest of his coaching staff, his players, and um, SID Glenn Sisk. I mean, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Congratulations again to the Blue Jays. Now, over on the men's side, Villanova, 
for the second straight year. They're going to the Sweet 16. They led wire to wire against Ohio State, pretty much. Well, at least they never trailed, but there were... I think there was maybe only one tie the whole game, but Villanova really controlled most of the game. They were up 11 at the break. Ohio State wouldn't go away quietly, though, which isn't surprising because Chris Holtman, in the past, has given Villanova fits when he was at Butler. Not to mention, he blew him out in Columbus in the 2019 Gavit Games. Ohio State wouldn't go away, but Villanova makes enough plays down the stretch. And Eric Dixon came up clutch, as did their grad their graduate students, Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. Nova wins it 71-61 out in Pittsburgh. Gillespie with 20 points on 5 of 14 from the floor, 2 for 9 from behind the arc, 4 assists. Jermaine Samuels, 17 points, 8 rebounds, 7 of 9 from the floor, 1 of 2 from deep. Eric Dixon was a huge X-factor, 13 points, 8 rebounds, 5 for 9 from the floor, 2 for 2 from deep, including that clutch 3 down the stretch. Caleb Daniels with 11 points, 8 rebounds, although he did battle foul trouble in 34 minutes. 3 of 9 from the floor, 1 for 4 from behind the arc. Also in foul trouble is Brandon Slater, played 21 minutes, didn't score a point in this game. And then Justin Moore, 8 points, 3 of 9 from the floor, 2 for 6 from deep. Villanova was 8 for 23 from deep. Ohio State just 7 of 22. And Villanova shot the ball better from the floor, 44% compared to Ohio State at right around 42%. And the Buckeyes were just 6 for 11 from the free throw line. Villanova, the best free throw shooting team in the country, shot 85% at 17 for 20. Leading the way for Ohio State was Malachi Branham, the freshman from Columbus, 23 points on 10 of 19 shooting, 3 for 8 from deep. EJ Liddell, 17 points and 6 rebounds, 6 for 13 from the floor, 2 for 4 from behind the arc. Just 6 for Kyle Young to go with 6 rebounds, 5 points from Eugene Brown the third, Only a 3 from Jamari Wheeler. And then off the bench, they got 4 points and 11 rebounds from Zed Key. But Key was 1 for 5 from the floor. And then they also got a 3 from Michi Johnson. And then Justin Arns and Cedric Russell did not score. Oh, by the way, for Nova, Chris Archidiacono knocked down a couple free throws in this one. So little Archie got in on the action. So Villanova, they're going back to the Sweet 16. They'll head to San Antonio where they're going to take on Michigan. I don't even want to call them a Cinderella team. They're a double-digit seed, but... I don't think by any means they're a Cinderella because they were a preseason top five team in the country. They just played really bad during the regular season, did enough to get in the tournament, and here they are in the Sweet 16. And ironically enough, they're in San Antonio, the site where Villanova beat Michigan to win the national championship back in 2018. I know times were different. It was at the Alamo Dome for one compared to this game that will be at the AT&T Center. And... When that game was played, John Beeline was still the head coach at Michigan. Whereas Juwan Howard, I'm pretty sure, was still coaching the Heat. Now, shifting gears to NIT action. Xavier, riding the hype of the return of Sean Miller, 
beginning next season, definitely got the fans energetic, and the team definitely played off of that energy as well, although it was tied at the break. You know, Xavier got off to a great start, by the way. But Florida came back and tied it at 33 going into the break. The second half, all Xavier. Led by as many as 18 points. And the Musketeers are on to the NIT quarterfinals with a dominant 72-56 win over the Gators. Nate Johnson, a Florida native from Miami specifically, 16 points, 3 of 13 from the floor, which isn't great. 3 for 10 from behind the arc, 7 for 9 from the free throw line. Meanwhile, they got a dozen from Jack Nungy, and he only played 19 minutes. 8 rebounds, 4 or 5 from the floor, made his only 3-point attempt of the game. Colby Jones with 11 points and 5 assists. 4 for 9 from the floor. Adam Kunkel with 5 points, 2 of 6 from the floor. Paul Scruggs only 2 points, playing just 19 minutes, 1 of 4 from the floor, 0 for 3 from deep. 10 points each off the bench from Dwan Odom and Zach Fremantle. Fremantle was in the starting lineup, you know, for a vast majority of Biggie's play, but he came off the bench and made his minutes counts. Count 10.7 rebounds, 5 7 from the floor, 16 minutes played. Odom played 27 minutes, 7 rebounds, 3 assists as well. Cesar Edwards had 2 points, and then Jerome Hunter added 4 in 10 minutes. As for the Gators, leading the way for them was Kowasi Reeves with 14 points, 5 11 from the floor, 3 for 8 from behind the arc. 10 points each from Colin Castleton and Tyree Appleby. Nine points from Flandris Fleming Jr. Two points from the free throw line from Brandon McKissich. Six points from Niels Lane off the bench. A three-pointer from Marion Jones. I believe it was Penn State transfer, and I was right. And, but he was one for eight from the floor, one for seven from deep, and then two points off the bench from Twangtek Gotkek. Credit Xavier. I mean, Xavier didn't shoot well from deep. Four for 20. Xavier, you know, Florida had the equivalent from deep as well. Percentage-wise, at 20%, they were just six for 30 from deep. But Xavier inside the arc was much better. They made 67% of their shots inside the arc, finishing 26 for 53 on the game. 49% out-rebounded Florida 43-32 and held Florida just 32% from the floor, 32.8 specifically. So how about that win for the Musketeers? They're on to the NIT quarterfinals, one game away from advancing to the Garden. And guess what? The top seed in their region, Dayton. So bad news for Xavier. They won't get to renew their rivalry with Dayton in the NIT quarterfinals. And that game would be in Dayton, or would have been in Dayton. But that's not what happened. Vanderbilt, coached by Jerry Stackhouse and led by Scotty Pippen Jr. Xavier will face the Commodores in... At the Cintas Center, Tuesday night in the NIT quarterfinals with the with the trip to Madison Square Garden on the line. So Xavier looks to beat their second straight SEC opponent to get to well get back to the world's most famous arena in the Big Apple. So a lot of good news over there, but coming up next, I'm gonna look ahead to today's games.
On the women's side, two Big East teams in action. Villanova will take on Michigan in Ann Arbor and then UConn. Going to renew the civil conflict with UCF in their round of 32 game at Gamble Pavilion. I'll talk about that and, of course, what I was alluding to earlier right at the beginning of the show, right after this. Welcome back. So let's get right into it. First and foremost, two Big East teams in action tonight. So, 6 Eastern on ESPNU in Ann Arbor, Michigan basically hosting Villanova in this round of 32 game. Michigan is favored by 13.5, Villanova coming off that huge upset over BYU on Saturday. I mean, Villanova is as hot as they come. They've won 21 of their last 24, including beating UConn, who I'll get to later, in Hartford. Michigan, I respect them a lot. They're a good team. But as good as they are, I still think Villanova is going to have the best player on the court between either of these teams, which is Matty Segrist. And Michigan, I don't know, they kind of limped to the finish line down the stretch. They lost their last regular season game at Iowa. They got beat in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten Tournament by Nebraska. And they lost some games that they really shouldn't have. Michigan State, Northwestern. I mean, they lost at Nebraska as well. I mean, they were one of the top teams in the country. Like They were like number four, I believe. And they dropped as far as they did. I mean, they have some great wins, though. They beat Baylor. I mean, they got blown out by Louisville, but Louisville's really good. And they barely got by a really good IUPUI team in their first game of the season. You know, they beat Oregon State in Daytona Beach. They beat Mississippi State as well. But, I don't know. No, Villanova, again, the fact that they, they got Maddie Segrist, and they're an experienced team. Yes, Lucy Olsen's a freshman, but she's been great this season running the point. And they have that three-headed monster of Segrist, Garzone, and Hurley, who can lead them to a big upset. I mean, if Crane could do it, what? who's to say that Villanova can't beat Michigan? But I don't know. Quite frankly, I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. I think Villanova, Michigan likes to slow it down. I think they will get, they will play to their pace and it will work. And I think Michigan will win, I'm going to say eh, 15 points, 65, 50, something like that. Now, to Gamble Pavilion, renewal of the civil conflict. So by the way, that Villanova-Michigan game is at 6 Eastern on ESPNU. 9 o'clock Eastern, ESPN, UCF and UConn. UConn's favored by 16 and a half. It's pretty good. Again, this game will be at Gamble Pavilion. UCF, easily the most dominant team in the AAC this season. They're coming into this game 26 and 3. And... 
the Knights, they have some good wins. I mean, they beat Seton Hall on the road. I mean, that's the one that jumps off to me right on the back because they played a Big East team on the road and beat them. And they took Tennessee down to the wire back in November. They beat Belmont, who's in the round of 32. They beat Arkansas. They And they went, they played a really tight game with Iowa. So UCF should not be a team to be slept on. UConn will win. I don't think expecting them to win by 30 is necessarily a fair expectation because I respect UCF that much as a team. I think UConn wins by like 14. I think it's like 67-53. I think that's fair. But okay, sure. But anyways, two more games involving Big East teams today, and that's over in the WNIT. 7 Eastern, speaking of Seton Hall, they're hosting VCU. Pirates coming off that win in which they shut out Fairleigh Dickinson in the fourth quarter and route to a 22-point win. VCU, they beat Stony Brook in their first-round game. You know, I think Seton Hall will win this game. I think important players... To, Important players to look out for. I feel like there's a good amount of them. They can look out. They, they can look at. Tyre Robinson's one of the top scorers in the country. She's a really good all-around player as well. And she's been specifically good on the road. But, I don't know. Having LPL, AEH, Sydney Cooks, that whole cast, yeah, Seton Hall's got the edge. I'm going to take the Pirates winning. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Give me Seton Hall winning 57-50 to to advance in the WNIT to the third round. Now, 8 Eastern, Marquette hosting Purdue. And, you know, this would be Carissa McLaughlin going up against her former team, the Boilermakers who throttled Southern Illinois in their first-round game on Wednesday. Marquette, similar result. I think Purdue will play them tough because Purdue's a good Big Ten team. Well, they're a respectable Big Ten team, but in the end, I got Marquette winning. I I think it's going to go to overtime, actually. What will the score be tied at? I'll say 76, but Marquette will win. I'm going to say like eh, 88-83 in overtime. So, yeah, those are my picks. And then last but not so last but not least, speaking of the Big Ten, it's official. It was announced earlier this morning. Kevin Willard officially leaving Seton Hall, moving on to Maryland after 12 seasons as the head man in South Orange. I mean, we all knew it was coming at this point, at least we did, but here's the thing. For anyone to say good riddance, like fuck off, you know, we don't need you anyway, leave, goodbye. I mean, that just goes to show that those people who are saying those things, 
aren't as appreciative of what Kevin Willard has done in 12 years as they should be. Because here's what I think. And I said this yesterday too, so I'll double down. Yes, Kevin Willard did not really succeed in the NCAA tournament. And who knows what his tournament success could have amounted to had the 2020 tournament not been canceled due to the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Because I guarantee you, he would have a lot more than just that one tournament win 2018. He probably, I think he would have won at least two in 2020. I really believe that wholeheartedly. And I'm not going to say they were going to win the national championship, but I think they were one of a good amount of teams that could very well pull it off and win the whole thing. With Miles Powell, Quincy McKnight, Mamu, Romaro Gill, Miles Kale, Jared Roden, who was then just a sophomore. And, you know, and Ike Obiagu in his first season of eligibility at the Hall. Just to name a few. Shamar Reynolds was a big piece of that team. They definitely have the potential to go deep in that tournament. And again, Kevin Willard, if it wasn't for that 2020 tournament getting canceled, he would definitely have more than just that one tournament win. But for people that just dismiss him and tell him, just shoo, we don't care for you, that's just wrong. Flat out wrong. Because at the end of the day, he left the Seton Hall program in a hell of a lot of a a better state compared to how he inherited it nearly 12 years ago to the day. So that's all I'm going to leave it on. And that's how this episode of the Igloo will conclude. Thanks for tuning in once again. And by the way, you know, big news regarding, you know, Sean Miller returning to Xavier, the guys from the Roll Blob podcast, Captain X, Jason Meyer, and Andy Piccarillo join me to discuss the hire. And of course, Xavier's march potentially to an NIT title this year. Getting a little bit of redemption, although we all know they would have much rather liked to be in the NCAA tournament. But they could get some redemption by going back to the Garden, a place where they've had their season end in heartbreaking fashion in the two years prior to that. And that would be quite the redemption arc. I'll talk to those guys about that, of course, about the, the higher Sean Miller and previewing that, you know, the rest of the road in the NIT, which includes, again, quarterfinal game tomorrow night against Vanderbilt with a trip to the Garden on the line. So, until tomorrow, this is Timmy Ice signing off for the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to watch those two women's games tonight. Again, Villanova, Michigan at 6 Eastern on ESPNU from Ann Arbor. And then UCF, UConn, renewal of the civil conflict, baby. AAC action. Well, former AAC rivalry. Obviously, we know UConn's back in the Big East, but get a little renewal of an AAC rivalry. That is at 9 Eastern on ESPN. So thanks for tuning in. I will catch you next time here on the Igloo.